Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Good morning, church family. It's great to be here again on a Sunday morning. And as uh, Dan has yeah, already led us as we uh, head into the Easter time next weekend and really consider uh, what Christ means for us as a church community. So it is a special time. And I have the privilege now, as we've said, to lead us in God's word. So uh, let me do that uh, with beginning with a word of prayer. Uh, just before I pray, uh, as we've have been doing the last few weeks, we're continuing our little series, Considering God's Kingdom. What is it like? How is it different to the Kingdom of Darkness? And as we come to our passage this morning, uh, what we have before us is considering what does it mean for God to be our, I guess, our provider in all things? And what does it really mean to seek His Kingdom first? Uh, So let me lead us in a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we have as a community to come and uh, grow in the knowledge of your grace, to be part of your kingdom, to know that Jesus has secured a place for us in uh, in his Father's house in heaven for us. And Father, as we consider our passage this morning and what it means to seek your kingdom and all things first and to not be worried about our life, to be full of anxiety like it's so often easy to do, and in us and in those around us, Lord. Father, I pray that your Spirit would give us a peace that transcends all understanding. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wonder if you have uh, received a panic phone call before from someone that you love or know, or maybe you yourself were the one giving that panic phone call to someone else. If you imagine for the moment the following uh, conversation, you wouldn't believe what happened to me today. My little son at school, he broke his arm and we had to rush him off to hospital, uh, screaming in the car. Then on the way home from the hospital, 
You wouldn't believe what happened next. The car ran out of fuel and was stuck on the side of the road for over an hour. And to top things off, as we headed to the supermarket, they were out of the stock of the items that I needed for dinner. And so we had to wait for a sloppy fish and chip dinner that was late uh, that evening. Oh, it's been such a stressful and anxious filled day. Okay, maybe you haven't had that precise experience, but maybe you can think of your own panic moment where you've had to make that phone call to someone that you love. As we consider such stressful situations and circumstances, Jesus' words here, don't be worried about your life, on face value can seem rather jarring, can it not? Even perhaps insensitive. Really, Jesus? Don't be concerned and worried? What about all the starving children and people in the world that we know? Or the wars that are going on at the moment? Or my friend who is quite sick? How can I not be worried right now? Perhaps what's even more confusing elsewhere, uh, concern is endorsed by Scripture. We consider the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 21, uh, Paul there, he recalls a long list of hardships that he's experienced uh, throughout his ministry of the gospel. Uh, whether it was being stoned, shipwrecked, beaten, and much more. And then, to top things off, in verse 28 there, he finishes with this. He says, Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all, my, all the churches. You see, Paul there was anxious to know that the churches that he was part of helping to plant were continuing to be uh, spiritually healthy and growing in their faith and fruitfulness in the gospel. Or maybe you think of Luke chapter 22 verse 44, which records Jesus' own stress and time of desperation in the garden of Gethsemane, where it says there, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling in, on the ground. I mean, if this wasn't showing concern, I don't know what is. So as we consider our passage this morning in Matthew 6, it's important that we ask ourselves, what is Jesus really getting at here when he's saying, don't be worried or anxious? Well, instead of the natural God-given response that we might have to danger or pain, whether it is seeing a snake or, for some of you, a cockroach on the wall, or maybe breaking our arm, or even the godly kingdom-focused concerns that we might have, separate to all those things, Jesus is targeting something else here in our passage before us. He's targeting a particular spiritual condition relating to our worry, anxiety, and concerns. He's targeting that excessive worry and concern that we have about our earthly life and earthly things. It's those folk who we might know, or maybe we're one of them, who is characterized by living a life that is filled with worry and anxiety. Having that self-focused uh, on earthly concerns that ultimately reveal distrust and unbelief at the heart. How can I say that this is actually unbelief? 
Because Jesus says so in our passage before us. In verse 30, he says there, calling such a person who distrusts God, O you of little faith. I don't know how that comes across to you this morning. Perhaps that seems a little harsh for Jesus to say that. But Jesus, I'm already so worried and anxious and having such a hard time at the moment. And now you're saying that at the heart of my concerns could be unbelief? You're just adding to my pain and suffering. Yes, that is a hard thing to accept. But the Christian faith is a journey downwards before we go upwards. To repent and see our fallenness for what it is, and then to look up and believe in God's goodness and grace to us through Jesus. So this morning, as you and I consider, yes, the very real worries, concerns and anxieties that we might have this morning, and maybe even the unbelief that hides behind them at their root, Jesus doesn't leave us simply to wallow in our grief and pain. No, in his word this morning, God has given us the spiritual remedies that you and I need to face the concerns and worries that we have head on in this life. In our passage, Jesus calls us to believe three key things this morning as we move from unbelief to belief. And so what are these three things that we learn from Jesus' words this morning? The first is this. Jesus calls us to believe in the providence of God. What is the providence of God? Well, you could call it God's sovereignty, His power, working it out in purposeful action. You see, the Bible presents God as not only all-powerful and in charge, but that he actively uses that power in carrying out his purposes and will for the whole world, for us. Jesus teaches us this in the illustrations that he uses here about the birds and the air and the, and the lilies of the field. For verse 25, I read again, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be worried about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And your, your, yet your father, or your heavenly father feeds them. Are you, not, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? As we consider Jesus' words here, what he's teaching us is this, that God is indeed in charge of all things and working through all circumstances in our life. He's in charge of your life. 
He has the power indeed to give life. Yes, even to take it away and to provide and look after you. This is because the God of the Bible is revealed to be God who is intimately involved in this world and in all things. As we consider our own life today and our Western world and how it views in so many ways the world around us, it can be so easy to feel like God is somewhere out there in the distance, not really involved or close, not really in charge and perhaps not really knowing what you truly need, or at least that feels that way sometimes. But this is a lie that the devil wants to convince our hearts of, to disbelieve that God is the one that holds all things powerfully in his hand. When you and I worry and are anxious, our hearts need to remember that God really is in control. He is on the throne and not us. God is at work in every circumstance, every high, every low. Even if we don't fully perceive how this might be or understand how it is so. In this way, the Christian is called to walk by faith, not by sight. I know what some of you might be thinking at this stage. Yeah, yeah, God is in control. I've heard that one before. Yet how easy is it for our fickle hearts to forget this very truth in our time of need? As humans, we are certainly a complex and messed up bunch of people who on the one hand can mentally say that we believe one thing and think one thing and then find our hearts feeling the very opposite, heading in the opposite direction of what our mind is saying. We might say up here, I trust you, God. But our internal worry and anxiety is telling a different story about what our hearts believe in that moment. Uh, Commentator Robert Mounts, he goes as far as declaring that uh, worry is practical atheism and affront or insult to God. Our worry then is revealing how we might be distrusting our sovereign king in heaven who truly is in charge over every bird, flower, speck of dust, yes, and even that bad coffee that you might get at the local store. No, unlike what our modern world says about God, we're not some random mix of atoms aimlessly floating around and spinning on this bowl of water in a vast ocean of space, as some might suppose. God has purposely placed you and I here in this world for his glory. And every circumstance and situation that you face is somehow part of his plan. Under his sovereign control. Do you believe this? Is this something that your heart believes this morning? The second thing that Jesus calls you and I to believe in our time of worry and anxiety is this. To also believe in God's fatherly love and care for us. In the same illustrations, Jesus teaches that not only is God sovereign and powerful and over all things in this world, but that he lovingly uses that same power for the benefit of his people. 
Just like the birds and the lilies, God looks after his people. He is fundamentally for you if you are his this morning, if you are a Christian. Again, in our moments of worry and stress, we simply might feel that God doesn't care. And yet this is another lie that Satan wants us to believe. We might actually believe that God is powerful on the one hand. But that is not enough. We also need the deep assurance in our heart that God deeply cares for us in the midst of life circumstances. That he actively uses that same power for our good. In a moment of need, God's children need to know that our challenging circumstances doesn't mean God hates us or is out to get you. Jesus says, look at the birds and the lilies. Are you not more important than them? For you bear my image, the image of God. Of course I care for you. You are the pinnacle of my creation. You are my child. If indeed you hear and listen to my voice. The audience Jesus would have been speaking to at that time would have been a lot poorer than you and I. And he had just warned them in the previous passage of the danger of chasing money and possessions for fulfillment and treasure in life. Perhaps the audience might have been thinking, well, if I don't prioritize money and possessions, then won't I then lack food and water and clothing? And yet Jesus calls even them to find and reach a place of trust in God's fatherly care. To believe that God knows their needs before they even know them and will graciously provide. As we consider our own Western world today, we simply don't face the same level of need. Even with the recent supermarket shortages... We simply don't know what it would be like to go without basic necessities for any uh, length of time, at least for most of us. Some of us might know that. Yet you and I simply fill that void with other things that we can be concerned or worried about. Whether it's finances, jobs, relationships, children, our homes... It's in our very nature, in our DNA, to be concerned with the things of this life. When we worry then, Jesus says, believe in God's fatherly care. That he hasn't abandoned you and I. And that we can hold on to that promise in Romans 8, that wonderful promise that says, and we know that all things, or for all, we know that for those who love God, All things work together for good. Your trouble is another opportunity for you to bring your concern to God and find assurance in Him. To confess your unbelief and say to God, I will come to that place of rest and trust in you. The third thing that Jesus calls us to believe this morning is this. He wants us to believe in his God-given calling that he's given you, for you and your life. I read again from verse 31, it says, 
So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not be worried about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What does Jesus mean here when he says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? While Jesus is calling us to truly believe that living under God's rule is truly what is best for us. That's what it means to seek his kingdom first. But as we open our Bibles, even on the first few pages, we find that there is a problem with this. The Bible says humanity are a bunch of rebels. We are rebels. This brings us back to that ancient problem that began all the way back in the Garden of Eden, where we said no to God's ways and his rule, and yes to giving in to Satan, sin, and ultimately death. We brought the physical lack and hardships into this world through rejecting God's spiritual rule over us and God's spiritual life and goodness that he gave to us. In that garden, Adam and Eve chose to believe another lie of Satan, that living according to God's commands and under his rule is not really what's best for you and I. Instead, he deceived humanity into believing that we should be the chief king over our life. That we know what's best for us and not God. Where has all this left us? Well, one of the consequences of believing and giving in to this lie is that it brings a world of worry and anxiety upon us. This is because now we feel it is completely up to us to produce a fulfilling, joyful and satisfying life. Full of everything that we need. We worry about tomorrow because we believe that the future is kind of up to us, in our hands. I mean, don't get me wrong, God has made us responsible beings, agents. We do need to act wisely with what is within our control, and that God has placed under our control. But there's a vast difference between this and believing that everything is up to us, rather than seeing God's hand really over our lives and our future. Uh, James in chapter 4 makes a similar point. In verses 13 to 15 it reads there, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, uh, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Here we are not called to be the, the king of our life. Rather, God calls us to live under the king in heaven. Furthermore, living outside of God's rule does rob us of true life. In some sense, 
in our sin, we become a bit like the birds of the air or the animals, in the sense that we become dominated by our physical desires for food, clothing, sex, possessions, and the like. As if all these things somehow in and of themselves are an end, the chief goal. But Jesus says, in, is not life more than food or clothing? And the answer is yes. Yes, it is. Jesus says to his children, don't be like the unbeliever. I've called you to something greater, to relationship with God the Father in heaven through me. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. I will give your souls true nourishment and food. I am the living waters that will quench your spiritual thirst of your hearts. I am God's righteousness revealed, the righteousness that I clothe you with and make you new. Washing you from your sin in love and bringing you back under God's uh, ruling hand. Do you know for yourself that true sustenance of, of heart and life that Jesus gives to you in the gospel? You see, ultimately, God calls us to believe in Jesus and his work at the cross. The place where our fears and anxieties and anxieties can truly fade away. As we look to, look to the one who faced the consequences of our rebellion and our sin on our behalf. On the cross we see God's providence and fatherly love displayed and declared to the world. Three times in the Gospel of Mark and in the other Gospels too, Jesus often predicted his own death. He knew that was his, God's plan for his life. God's providential plan for for the saviour of the world. But instead of rejecting God's calling on his life, Jesus remained obedient to his father and could still pray, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And as he sweated blood and headed to that dreadful cross, Jesus faced God's displeasure for sin by becoming sin in our place. Experiencing what it was like to be cut off from God and his goodness. Experiencing God's wrath against sin so that you and I would not need to. And now through Jesus' resurrection and the Holy Spirit that he sends out to dwell in and amongst God's people, God grants us true life again. Life that is beyond what is, can be ever provided in this life. Furthermore, he enables us through his spirit to live out that original calling to live under God's rule. He grants us the ability to face the future with certainty, knowing that tomorrow has been cared for if you are in Christ. So Christian, I ask you this morning, are you worried and anxious in some way? Are you struggling with unbelief and Satan's lies? When you do, and in those times of hardship, believe in God's providence over these circumstances that you face. Believe in the providential cross of Christ, 
brought about by God for your salvation. Believing God's fatherly love secured for you by Jesus. That God is for you and nothing could take him away from you if you truly believe. And lastly, believe in God's given calling for you. That a life uh, lived with God at the center of it truly is what is best for you. And that we don't have to worry about tomorrow or the worries of today For God is king of today and tomorrow. And that he has secured an eternal future for you and I to live for him in his kingdom. And so will you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that all things then will be added unto you. Amen. Let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are challenged by this this morning as we consider our own stresses and worry and anxieties that we face day to day, big and small things that come our way in this life. Father, we confess that in those times especially, it can be very difficult to see your hand at work, to know your close loving presence, to know that you are for us and not against us. Father, at times we even feel overwhelmed in such situations. Father, will you show yourself gracious to us? Will you give us a peace that is beyond all understanding, Lord? A peace that can only come from you and your Holy Spirit in us. Father, we want to say sorry for our sin and how we have rejected you as our king over our life. Father, we want to repent and believe. Help us to do that this morning. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, that they might truly see that that need they have for you. And Father, we thank you for the eternal life that you have secured for all your people. That we don't have to worry about tomorrow because you have secured our future. That we can trust you that no matter what we face in this life, our Future is sure. The promise is uh, something we can hold on to with both hands, knowing that what Jesus did on the cross is final. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.